What kind of movie title is Killers, anyway? Like, where does Ashton Kutcher get off to just name his movie Killers? Not the Killers, not a couple of Killers, not kind of, uh, you know, rom com version of it. No, just Killers. Like, with a hard K. Killers, Killers, Killers. I just... It's just very generic, and I think it doesn't bode well for a movie that is actually kind of a little generic. But it has other things going for it, too. It's got Tom Selleck. It's got his mustache. It's got Katherine Heigl screaming loudly. That's not super original, super clever, but it's something. It's it's a lot of things at once, and we get into it. Is it bad? Maybe. Is it good? No. But it's something. It simply is. Killers. What kind of energy do you want to bring to this one? <laughs> I'm going to bring as much as I can. You just do your no, best. No, yeah, what, what kind of energy? Because um, if you give me a role, I'll be able to jump into it like right away. Charlie Parker. <laughs> okay. Give me some bird. Okay. Wow, that was the best Charlie Parker impersonation, especially given that he never played the drums. But, you know, I am impressed. I was doing the drums on Bird. Oh, Bird drums. Yeah, got it. Birdland. Birdland. Well, welcome, everybody, to a special jazz-inspired Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I'm your, your host, Ryan Graves. With me is Charlie Parker... Playing that jazz music that he loves so much. Um, he's played today by Kelly Song. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. You know, I do that to my child, and she's very impressed. So I was hoping. Children what are, do you think? Children are I was easy, hoping to bring it to the adult stage. They're so. easy to impress. Parents are... Uh, I'm also impressed with you because you're like my child. It's like anything oh. you do, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm so proud. So how are you feeling? Um, good. I am, I'm burnt out because of work, because my child doesn't sleep from three to 6 a.m. Yep. Um, uh, but good, good. Like Robin and I went for a walk in the park today and it was anything but, but it ended up being a good time. Yeah, it's a walk in the park. Hey, um, we, we sat outside and ate dinner while I watched this movie outside <laughs> and I have this new computer that actually has speakers that work Yeah, because my phone was louder than my old computer. Yeah. But yeah, man, it was good. It's good. It's good. It's good. What about you? How are you doing? I'm good. Got any stories for me? Um, I just, <laughs> I just think it's great that we both can go on a walk and do a diaper run together and just complain about, ah, clients, man. Clients. Yeah. Yeah. It feels yeah. good. Um, that's all I'll say about that. And that's all I have to say about that. I, I have, I think, you know, you we've complained to each other today about jobs, about sleeplessness, about diapers. Yeah. And need those diapers. Those, those sizes that don't fit. But was today, was today's movie a <laughs> movie in which we would complain? Of which we would complain about. <laughs> See, this is professional, what we're doing here. I, I'm glad people listen to it. You're as professional as the professional spy that Ashton... 
Ashton Kutcher again plays a so this super. Is Put the brakes because this isn't a spy movie. I decided Mr. and Mrs. Smith also was not a spy movie. Yeah, these are movies about assassins. Right. Yes, assassin movie. Um, Which one could say James Bond is an assassin, but he does more than assassin. You know, now that I think about it, most spy, like spy heroes, heroines are kind of multi-pronged talents. Yeah. Like they're assassins, they're detectives, they're Acrobats. spies. They gather intelligence. But honestly, how often do they gather intelligence? That's what a spy does, right? I think, I think Bond does. I think uh, Ethan Hunt does. They're always like hacking into a mainframe and trying to like I figure out I think Ethan Hunt did. is an actor. Right. If he does anything a lot of he's sure. impersonating. People. Sure. You're right. Maybe he uh, he's also a mask maker. <laughs> yeah. He went to art class in exactly. high school and he's like, I really like this. <laughs> this is fun. So, yeah, I would say it's all a, all of the above. He, he, you know, Ashton Kutcher, you know, he he plays around with the spy stuff, the assassin stuff. Oh, um, he's not movie? nearly as prolific as Brad Pitt or Brand- no. any of Brangelina's. No, no. But again, he quit pretty early on in his career, sure. it seems. Um, which movie is this? Oh, right. This movie's called Killers. Not the Killers. Not, not the Lady Killers. But Killers. Not the band. <laughs> it's a terrible movie title. Why don't you tell me a story about this movie? A story about this movie? Okay. Sure. Can I tell you the story of this movie first? By all means. Either one. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Killers opens with Dr. Richard Burke in a hotel room complaining loudly. Um, played by Tom Selleck and his glorious mustache, as this movie wants to tell us about it. Wait, it starts on a plane. Oh, it's right. The which, prologue is in the which plane is with important Dr. Richard Burke. Yes. Is because um, you've got Tom Selleck, who is Catherine Heigl's dad, and you have Catherine O'Hara, who is her mom. Mm-hmm. And immediately Robin was like, I always see Catherine O'Hara on a plane. And I was like, what are you talking <laughs> What a strange thing. And then to she, she was to. like, Home Alone. Yeah. And it's like, yes, of course. She just didn't scream heaven <laughs> on this one. I wonder if Catherine Harrow's like, uh, my my lovely good old This is my plane, plane scene. actually. I've been filming so many plane scenes that I decided to buy my own. It's the only one I film in these I know days. exactly what to do. The plane, any plane scene in any movie, it's like no plane is that big ever. No. I. You know what other show doesn't? It doesn't open, but it kind of opens with the plane scene is uh, Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted Lasso yet? Not, not yet. Oh, my gosh. We'll get to it. We'll get to but, it. but it feels cramped yeah. oh, in a good, good way. should feel cramped. And this one felt like they were sitting on the world's largest couch that had arm dividers on it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, let's say up front that this movie was dire- directed by Robert Luketic, who directed Legally Blonde which we both liked, mm-hmm. um, and we will not yet say what we feel about this movie. 21 with Josh Hartnett, who I think is the dark Ashton Kutcher. I don't think that was Josh Hartnett. No? Who I think that it? was the dude from the Beatles movie. Oh, you're right. Um, what's his name? his name? He played Jude in that Beatles movie. <laughs> yeah, he, he played the Beatles. The Beatles. In that fictional Beatles movie. He played all the Beatles. Hey, Jude. So... They're they're on this flight, and we get that Catherine Heigl has broken up with her boyfriend. Oh wait, no, he broke up with her. This dialogue is horrendous, people. Yeah, they're they're trying to tell us. It's exact- unfortunate dialogue. It's unfortunate dialogue because it's doing that thing where 
it tells and doesn't show and what it tells it tells badly <laughs> yeah it it <laughs> don't take this the wrong way but it felt like someone like yours first stab at a scene where you were just getting ideas on a page and not actually made it a scene wait someone like me's anyone oh. anyone i'm reading oh, okay but it I, of all the people's scripts I've read the most, it's yours. And so. Oh, why? <laughs> I don't write, I don't even write no, scenes like this. My point is, it feels like a, they'll say something like this and never got around to actually writing the dialogue. It oh, was very just like. Like when we're workshopping a scene. Yes. Or and it's like, like this scene will kind of hit these broad points. And that's what this opening scene does. It hits these broad points to introduce these characters, but there's no art to it whatsoever. It's just like, no. Uh, there's a lot of couch to it, though. Yeah. So they're going to Nice, France. Nice. I know, but Robin saw it and she's like, mm, it looks oh, like nice. nice. Um, and as as fancy as it is, it looks like Italy to me. I don't know why. It's just that southern coast French. Yeah. Might as well be Italy, Italy. <laughs> what? How? If you had this challenge, I was telling, I was asking myself this. I'm like, ooh, if I couldn't use like title cards to say where we were, mm. how would I say we're in Nice? Like, or how would I show we were in Nice? You know what would be fun if um, you, like, whenever you jumped to a new place, like you, wherever you were, whether it was like a hotel or a market or something like that, you just had like a couple people in an argument and <laughs> one of them's just like, like, this is Nice. What are you talking about? How dare and then, you like, drag me to Nice to talk about like, such things? And, and you like wipe across, <laughs> like it calls attention to it, mm -hmm. but in a fun way. Yeah. I don't know why, but it was just kind of like, oh, you're just going to tell me that we're in Nice? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. That's such a stupid and thing we're driving Volvos <laughs> in Nice. Yeah. Very James Bond. So then we meet Ashton oh, Kutcher. Oh, wait. Actually, he's driving. This is this was a Mustang that Ashton Kutcher is driving. Okay. And But it is uh, he is driving it on the right side of the car. Oh. Like the, the steering wheel's on the right side Got of the it. car. And so this is especially made... Like Mustang. the right side or the wrong side? Well, the the right side for its country and okay. the right side of the car. Got it. Okay. Right. And I was like, that's that's a very specific car for a spy to get. It's a Ford Mustang. It's a Ford Mustang. Huh. In <laughs> like I I was in France for just like three, you know, two weeks recently, and you don't you never see any American cars yeah, while that's you're there. Weird. I never once saw one. Well, anyways, he brought his <laughs> custom-made Ford Mustang, which... <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're a spy, not the most subtle car to That's be what I was saying. To using. Well, again, he's an assassin. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and he is chasing a airbound helicopter on a driving vehicle. Kind of. Can we really tell, though? Because it's like that opening scene of a movie montage where it's like, you're in this place, you're in this place. And it keeps cutting back and forth to these different places. And I'm like, I'm not sure if he's driving somewhere or we're just like, and we're just getting his drive or if he's chasing somebody. Right. I don't really know. Anyway, he gets to the hotel. Uh, well, first he, well, does he get to the hotel first or no, he tracks the helicopter to the location. Right. Then he gets to the hotel and he meets, um, Catherine Heigl. Well, he meets his redhead lady, but then she disappears. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, obligatory, <laughs> like, like who the heck was that? Obligatory, like spy lady. Yeah. Right. Who has no lines? Nope. Um, and then he sees Catherine Heigl in an elevator and, Start speaking all French talk to her. And 
this okay, I think this movie is filled with good moments that it just never quite capitalizes on. Yeah. Because she like pretends to know French as he's like speaking French to her and he doesn't know that she's English and or American. Right. But, but again, assassin, CIA guy just assumes this woman is French. And there's because well, n- they are in France. Yes, but I feel like a good <laughs> I, I spy like... story would would be like sees immediate details that gives her away as a tourist. Well, I I don't necessarily know that he doesn't as well because like but anyway, what what happens is he, she she goes back down to the lobby and then just walks and she just happens to keep walking the same direction he's uh-huh. walking. I was like, this is a funny bit of comedy. Yeah, I like this for comedy. Yeah, but then. Later, she's like, hey, how did you know that I was, you know, American? He's like, oh, I knew from, like, you know, the the first thing that first you said. First moment I saw you, I'm like, then why are you bothered? Because he's attracted to her or whatever, and they make a date. What does he do, though, in the meantime? He goes, oh, he dives, and he swims to this boat, and he puts a bomb on the helicopter. And right. the helicopter will blow up at a certain point in time later in this movie. Right. And so he makes a date with her at this place. They go and then she hides from her parents under a table. And what do you what do you initially think of their chemistry? They're trying. (laughs) (laughs) I think good for them. uh, Well, here's the thing. I like both of these actors. Yeah. I especially like Ashton. Um, I don't necessarily think it's their fault that it's not really working for me. Yeah. I. I think given a better director, maybe, or a better script, there would be more chemistry on scene, but the fire's just not quite there. We saw in Legally Blonde that <clears throat> the strength of that movie was not any romantic chemistry, because Luke Wilson's just charming, but it's not the focal point of the film. No. He's just very cute, and that's all that, that really needs to happen, sure. and it's done. Mm-hmm. But this movie kind of really needs to get us invested in their... It really does chem- swooning chemistry and romance because there has to be a there has to be a reason he chooses to leave for her, right, right, right. Because eventually, after he blows up this helicopter, they have an amazing date, and then well, I guess, and then they end up at the hotel room to, later. And he knows from jump, he's like, "I want a normal life." He doesn't like his job, and he tells her while she's sleeping, he's like, I'm a killer, but I don't want to be a killer anymore. I want to be with you. And so we have to believe in this romance. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. You guys tried. Good yeah. Job. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about it, too. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to, like, kick this movie a lot, because there's some redeeming qualities mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're... you're I don't think that they made Katherine Heigl's character interesting. And I think that's part of the problem. Okay. Let's, I, and I also well, think Ashton Kutcher's spy isn't us, that interesting. Let's get some shovels and let's dig in here. Okay. Katherine Heigl's character is shockingly regressive. It is. It's worse than Willie Scott in Temple of Doom. At least Willie Scott was... Formidable and <laughs> like in her attitude. There was something... A je ne sais quoi about Willie Scott that I get why people will not like her, but I'm like, I don't know. She's still kind of funny to me. Where's my gun? Where's my gun? I burnt my fingers and I cracked a nail. <laughs> sure. I think, yeah. And I think Catherine Heigl is m- many things for most of this movie. Helpless mm-hmm. and not in a fun 
realistic way in the way that like, um, uh, okay, what's her name? Catherine, um, Hepburn. Winnick. No, no, sorry. From Romancing the Stone. What's her name? Um, uh, Chandler's dad. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Thank you. Um, she, she feels like somebody who's out of her element in a situation, right? Yeah. Catherine Heigl just, she seems like somebody who went to college on her parents' money and then like left and is still living a really cushy life. But I wouldn't ever like trust her as an adventure partner in any way. I wouldn't trust her as an adult to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Like the the film portrays her as this very ditzy woman that's not a cliche yes. characterization but it's just that she's very helpless in a lot of situations and like yeah right like so she gets freaked out by things but she does the ah <laughs> yeah like they they go on on their first date they go to a club and this guy comes and like hits on her and he's like i want to dance with you and, and she's like the- i don't know how to handle this situation and we're just like yes you can do something more than that yeah and like like, she doesn't even, like, roll her eyes necessarily at him. She's just like, uh, okay, I guess so. Yeah. And it's, you can have characters that are like this. You can have characters that are timid and they don't know how to handle social situations. So Willie Scott is, like, the the example from Temple of Doom. Sure. Yeah. Like, she's really flighty, but they take advantage of that by making her flightiness and that gets them into problems, which I think right. an adventure movie, you want lots of things to get you into trouble. Right. And in this movie, she was just like, I don't usually drink. Also, I bought this dress for, okay, Here, <laughs> here's Robin brought this up and like they, they're going to France, right? And yeah. her boyfriend just broke up with her. She hasn't packed any nice dresses. Uh-huh. That's like her thing, like where she's like, I'm going on this date with Ashton. I need to go get myself a dress. Right. And it's like, I would believe Kate Winslet's character from um, The Holiday. I believe Kate Winslet's character from The Holiday would travel somewhere with like after just getting broken up without packing a good dress because she's just like, you know what? All I want to do is travel to somewhere, stay in the hotel and just be sad yeah yeah. Catherine Heigl she she doesn't seem she seems so plasticky at the beginning of this movie and and rich I I just don't buy that she's like I've traveled somewhere and I have no nice clothes to wear so I have to go secretly buy a dress that she doesn't quote unquote have money for but she I don't know how she doesn't have money that she has a pretty nice job yeah years later and and her parents basically like according to her boyfriend her husband are always around anyway it just doesn't make a ton of sense there's so many times where i i just feel like i'd be reading the script and i would look at the writers and i'm like so what is this like this guy this doesn't make any sense guys like oh, whatever like it's fun it's fun it's like See, no this this is what makes it feel like a netflix movie to me yeah which is eh, it doesn't matter i do like when they are about to you know do the deed mm-hmm. um, after their first date and he, at, like she's like complaining about the tightness of this dress which also felt very 2005 yeah where it's like ah oh, I bought a dress that's too tight and I can't be in it anymore because oh my gosh it's too tight but I had to conform to my gender roles right <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he takes a knife and cuts it off and I was like yes this is Harlequiny, right but I can see this fulfilling people's fantasies right now yeah but 
it's she seemed be better at it. <laughs> she, she also seems incapable of taking clothes off on her own. Like she's like, I can't get this dress off. Yeah, she got it on, just fine. Just and, fine. And by I, I don't know. I understand. Well, not firsthand, but I understand dresses can be difficult to take off sometimes. They are harder to put on. Yeah. As as having helped my... I, I have seen my wife take off many a dress, and it goes pretty quickly. <laughs> Stop bragging. <laughs> but it's... Yes, it's... Anyway, so... Show us the details of why you can't get the dress off. Sh- and, and, do, and expose character, because basically they're exposing that... Catherine Heigl's, I guess, a little drunk, and she doesn't hopeless. usually get drunk, and she's a little helpless. Make her a more interesting character. Well, that's what's so funny is that Legally Blonde is that it's flipping the script on the girly girl. Yeah, and they're showing like very capable. You're girly underestimating girl. the girly girl. The right. girly girl is smart and powerful and gets shit done, whereas Catherine Heigl's character doesn't do any of that. She's just a girly girl well, who I mean, can't she's not, get anything she's, done. She's not even a... I wouldn't even call her a girly girl. She's just a woman who is blasé. It's... I don't know what it is. It's just it feels stale. Yeah. And it's not Katherine Heigl's fault. No, I It was I don't, really bad direction. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Katherine yeah, yeah, yeah. Heigl's great, and we've seen her in Knocked Up, and it's like, oh, yeah. we can see the fury. We can see the rage. And did Judd Apatow direct that film? Yeah. I... I, I think there you go. We need like, a better I, director. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, Robert Luketic. You did great with Legally Blonde. This just got out from under you. Speaking of Legally Blonde, did you see uh, the Legally Blonde meets um, A Few Good Men? Oh, I shared that. Cross- oh, okay, great. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what happens is he decides after their week in France, he's like, I'm going to- I'm walking I'm, away. Yeah. I'm walking away. I just away. like that he falls in love with her after a day. He falls in love with her after a day and they decides to be with her after a week. And there's like this guy who shows up that's his boss and he's like, you're never going to leave. And it's like, it's Gene Parmesan. Yeah, basically. (laughs) We never see this guy's Ah, face. He did it again. Uh, I've got some bad news. I'm Gene Parmesan. How you doing? He got me again. I feel like if you pushed this movie and made like if you made Katherine Heigl way zanier, mm-hmm. like gave her more Kristen Wiig energy, yeah, and then made the spy stuff way more arch, it yeah. would be like this first, especially the stuff in France would be better. But like for some reason, he's like, he's like, you're never gonna. It gets really serious. He's like, we're never gonna let you go. And it's why, right? Like I need to know why. It's super vague. And I mean, again, just like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, this lore is like super underdeveloped, but even more so with here. Yeah. And probably more of a sin because this is a newer movie. Right. What year is this? 2010. Yeah. Okay. I, there are parts of this that get super zany. And I feel like if I like unfocus my eyes, I can see what they were trying to do with Katherine Heigl's character and make her of a, a type against all these other types that are right. going on. You know what this felt like? Hot fuzz? Yes. Yeah. Diluted hot fuzz. Yeah. And I liked the idea of let's do a hot fuzz as a rom-com. Like, okay, I can get into that. Yeah, exactly. Because you're basically combining the concepts of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, probably even a little, just because we brought up Edgar Wright, a little Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Because it's like this couple going through this thing together that they can't escape. Yeah. And then hot fuzz. Yeah. And I think it's a great concept for a movie. I think it was, I think the periphery characters were cast correctly. Yeah. For sure. But the leads were just way off. Yeah. And we like the leads in general. It's just something about them in this movie is not working. Yeah. I, I really think if you had a, 
Yeah, I, I don't really necessarily know if I want to. Do you have a recast? I, I don't necessarily know if I want to play in that playground. But no, but I think we're in a much better place in terms of charismatic actors. Like a Ryan Reynolds probably could have done it just fine. Oh yeah, for know? sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosling would have been interesting. Yeah, because I, I liked him in the Good Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Good, the Good Guys. Yeah, good, good, good fellas, good guys. The good, the, the good, good guys. I think it's the Good Guys with him and Russell Crowe. Oh, the other. Wait, is the other guys? What's it called? Is it not the good guys? Man, we're tired. What's the movie? Is it the other guys? Hold on. It could be the other guys. What's the one with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg? This is going to bother me. Look it up. No, that's the other guys. That is the other guys. No, that with Mark Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. The good guys? <laughs> that one's Shane Black. I can tell you who directed it. Hold on. I'm going to look up. The nice guys. The nice guys. Okay, I was close. Yeah, and I was like, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he's good in that. Um, so I also just want to point out like this random, incon- not random inconsistency, but another inconsistency that's played for humor. But it's like, this breaks the logic of your movie where Catherine Heigl's like, oh, so what do you do for a living, Ashton Kutcher? And Ashton Kutcher's like, oh, uh, I, I am a consultant. I, 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 I don't know. I, I've never been asked that question before. I don't have a cover story. I, I'm I'm just an assassin. Like <laughs> This this is why the direction was bad. Sorry. I, but Ashton Kutcher is a spy, right? And we see him be like, like really good at assassinating anyway. Yeah. And he's really smooth with her when he's like first meeting her and he's speaking in French and he's like, Hey, go on a date with me. I'm just going to go on this beach, whatever. And then he's awkward like six or seven other times and then smooth six or seven other times. Why not have it that with this one, like show us, I'm rewriting the movie. (laughs) You write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head. Show us at the beginning of the movie, show Ashton Kutcher seducing someone. Yeah. Show that he's really good when he's like actually playing a role. Yeah. But then when he meets somebody he really likes, he's fumbly. Like his feelings get in the way. Yeah. And it's just, a, I don't know enough about him to understand why he would walk away from this job for first girl he meets. Yeah. It's another one of those things where he's like describing it when she's sleeping and he's like, I've never really, I, I don't like this job and I just want to let you know, I don't like the job that I'm doing and that job is killing. Cool, bro. Uh, you know, just go back to something like Hitch where we meet Hitch, we understand who Hitch is, then he meets his match and we're like, right. ooh, we know that she's a game changer. Like you talked about Broad City, like girls right. replacing parts. This is where I'd want a Broad City girl. Yeah. Yeah. This would be far more interesting. Is Katherine Heigl supposed to be the girl next door, or is she supposed to be daddy's, something... Daddy's girl? <laughs> oh, and we should, we should talk about... I think Tom Selleck in this movie is bang... He does a bang-up job. Yeah, with a script that's not giving him very much to he's, do well with. He's a champion. And then poor Catherine O'Hara is also, I think, trying her hardest, but they're basically like, <laughs> you're a lush. Act. Well, it feels like... They like gave them the scene and Catherine Hare looked at the script. She's like, oh, we can do better than that. And just started yeah. doing her own shit. Exactly. <laughs> like she is wild carding yeah. left and right. And if she doesn't make the scene any worse, and if anything, she improves it or distracts from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm totally fine with. Me too. <laughs> so yeah, they, Ashton Kutcher, Catherine Agle, they fall in love. It's years later. He has to impress Tom Selleck when they go out shooting. Um, 
you know, he as he demands the her daughter's hand in marriage, and yeah, and he makes this whole speech where like he depends on her. You know, it's not the other way around, right? And, and it's a really nice dialogue. But I'm like, I'm sorry, movie, you have not done anything to prove that to us, right? And I, we don't, but what we don't know at this point in time, spoiler alert, Tom Selleck already knows he's an assassin, mm-hmm. and I, I honestly thought at this point in the movie things started to get, as soon as they had their conversation where they were like shooting um, clay pigeons, Yeah, I was like, please give me a movie with Ashton Kutcher and Tom Selleck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, I already knew from, I, I knew from that point that he was also an assassin or a spy or something because he was literally pinging the clay pigeons just perfectly. Right, I didn't see it then, but I saw it maybe 10 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, like a movie... The movie, the worst part is the movie thinks it's hiding it. Right. And it's just like <laughs> any, any good. Okay. I'm not good at mystery storytelling by any means. Sure. But you need to give a bigger rogues gallery if we're going to have like a big bad. Like give us a couple more Tom Selleck sized characters so we can be guessing who's the puppet master. Right. But like, we know we just deduce who the puppet master is pretty quickly because there's no one else to pick. So what happens is. He gets pulled back in. He can't. He can't be out. Like Ashton Kutcher's old boss is like, "You gotta. Get, you're gonna get pulled back in. And I'm gonna pull you back in." But and Ashton Kutcher. I think the movie actually gets pretty good around the point in time where Ashton Kutcher is waiting for somebody to kill them. It actually does. It like did it, a pretty good job. It with really that stuff. flips its switch for a second. Yeah, where I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm back in it. <laughs> like r- rarely does a movie like a third of the way in say i'm sorry i lost your attention let me say a good joke um and you know i want to keep bashing free guy the action in this movie much better than free guy really because the action in this movie was passable it wasn't it wasn't mr Mr. and mrs smith no by no means but it wasn't bad yeah exactly there's some weird cuts and there's some like odd choices with the camera where they're like we're gonna do shaky cam But, you know it's fine yeah and and i was entertained by it exactly that's all that matters and so, like, Ashton, like, knows that, like, some, somehow he intuits someone's going to spi- come kill him. Spies are coming to kill him. And uh, his wife throws him a surprise party. And it's like, we, I, I think we do get when they're married because we have that three years later jump. Mm-hmm. They're a fun, nice couple, right? They're a nice couple until about three quarters into the movie when it's like, oh, banter. And I'm like, their banter is not adorable. Their banter is cloying and toxic. Like, when, it doesn't get that way until we they find out, okay, spoiler alert, she finds out halfway through pregnant. that she's pregnant. They start fighting with each other, and I'm like, shut up. Like, Oh, yeah, that's not even they banter. Were, that's uh, They were just being obnoxious with each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's like they're, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I, it felt like I was in the room with a couple people who were fighting in a way that I'm like, oh, I, I want to leave. Yeah, in a way that I did not want to be in that room. Whereas yeah. date night, I like it when they're fighting, and I want to just bring popcorn to their fights. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to bring popcorn same thing to their with the Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but the next, the the real turn happens. This is a good twist. I it like is, it. It, it. This twist, and I don't know. Like again, this movie full of good moments lacks cohesion <laughs> because they have this whole 
party where Ashton's kind of paranoid, but like, he's like, okay, you know, there's enough witnesses around that I'm probably fine. Right. And, um, he's like waiting for this professional assassin to show up and he's trying to hurry Catherine Heigl out of the house. And there's this dumb 2010 conversation she has with her friends where one of them has lines and the other one kind of says a word where they're like, well, you got to be careful and make sure you please your husband. And, yeah, what you know, that about? you know, because otherwise he's going to run off with someone. And Catherine goes like, oh, no, maybe he doesn't want to have sex with me and like wants to have sex before they leave. But he's like worried about them. You know, I, I get that you're trying to set this up where she feels hurt and I'm here for that. But don't make it so dumb. Well, it also just goes back to that regressiveness where her whole reason of being is for her husband like she's just there to to serve her husband and to serve the marriage and doesn't seem to have much of an internal life and much of a thing going for herself because like we don't we don't really know about her career other than it seems to be some kind of it stuff and she has this thing but she hasn't seems to have no interest in her career yeah 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 like it didn't seem like she was subservient but like the wealth of knowledge or I guess the wealth of character that we get from her is is pennies. Yeah. Um, and I really thought that there was going to be something she brought to the table tech-wise. Right. Because I, I feel like Ashton Kutcher is missing tech, right? Yeah. And like at one point in time, we see her giving this pitch presentation where she's like, and this thing will detect all viruses and blah, 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 and it'll protect your computers. And I'm like, well, maybe she's a programmer or something and that's yeah. going to come into play. <laughs> her boss is like, I got this sweet trip for you to go on. She's like, pass <laughs> like okay you don't seem interested in like this opportunity for you like you have other stuff going on in your life but only you're bummed that you're missing your husband's birthday and that's why like it's just I, mean, kind of, I, I get that though I, because like if if my boss was like by the way you're going on a trip in three days and i'm like well my wife's birthday is that day so i can't just go. no but there's no conflict where she's like right uh <laughs> yeah like yeah she it's, doesn't seem to care it's pretty dumb yeah um but Brings us all to the, like... The morning after the party. Yeah. And we're hanging out with Rob Riggle, who we totally underestimate as a side character, because it's fucking Rob Riggle. It is. And Rob <laughs> Riggle does his Rob Riggle thing, where he's, like, being lewd, crude, and has a lot of attitude. And... Thank you. Nice. Um, and... You know, he you know he talks about stepping on Ashton's balls earlier, and so and it's like, like this, we are. This is just this, dumb this bro is a, comedy. Like this is either a guy that's gonna like become a part of the action, or he's gonna get killed early on, yeah. or he's just gonna be there for comic relief. He's just window dressing for a while, and then he's gonna be gone. And I knew as soon as he asked for the milk and the coffee. Oh, me too. Yeah, and it was a giveaway, and it was this weird thing where directors do this a lot, where they will surprise us with like a ha gotcha and uh -huh. like in the way that the camera kind of does something there was a really long take when he was going to get the milk yeah and it's like okay most editors would have cut away by now but you haven't cut away there's got to be a reason why exactly Maybe something's and you do happening. the mental math but like i was i was trying to think about the way i do it differently because i was like there's a little bit of hitchcock's bomb under the table in this yeah. situation where it's like ah we know he's a bad guy based on the tension this shot is building right, for us right. and so we're waiting for something to happen but would it have been better if like you know they're having a conversation the whole time and it, like we just don't suspect it at all based on like the pattern of the conversation and the way the camera moves and then like 
Ashton closes the fridge and he's just standing there and Ashton has no idea. Yeah. And then he just misses him. Right. I think that would have been better, but as it was, it wasn't bad. It was just telegraphy. Yeah. So what happens is Rob Riggle like swipes at him with a knife and, and he Ash- cuts this milk container yeah. in half. I thought that was really fun. And Ashton Kutcher's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was I was seriously like holding my breath. I'm like, are they going to bluff or double bluff? Like, is yeah. he just fucking with him? Yeah. Or I, or is it actually he's trying to kill him? Like, I didn't know if maybe he was like off his meds or something. Right. And so it was a fun moment because there was also a pause in Riggle's performance where he's like, Haha, I'm just fucking with you. And it's like, are you? Yeah. <laughs> and it was good. It I, was actually a really good moment. I, I was astounded by how much I laughed at that considering everything that came before. Right. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll have fun with this. And so, yeah, they get into this fight scene, which is. The cam up, I don't know what the cam up was doing, but it literally felt like he was like, oh, 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 oh. I feel like he was being attacked by some toddlers or something. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like trying to kick them off the whole time. But I did look up the camera, not the camera work, but the DP of the film, the cinematographer was the same cinematographer for James Cameron. So what? we are getting some James Cameron in on this last film before we do next week's film. So okay, there fine. you go. But I, I, <laughs> this is such a nerdy thing to me. Like, Oh, the skin tone actually looks nice in this movie. Like that shows yeah, me sure as a colorist. I'm like, yeah. why does this movie, this seemingly cheap kind of knockoff rom-com, why does the cinematography look good? It's because it's the same DP as Titanic. It is. And it is also because this movie had a budget of $75 million. And I'd say they wasted probably 45 of that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, again, another rewrite. I would have had the stuff in France that takes 25, 30 minutes to get through. Yeah. Take four minutes. Yeah. I think you could have like, hand me this script. We're not, since we don't learn really anything about their characters at all in France. Right. Why not just be, ah, we met, we had this wonderful, like windswept romance. I mean, this is what, um, Mr. And Mrs. Smith does. Yeah. It really is. They meet they go on a date, they come back and have sex again, and then five years later, they're married. Yeah. And I think that is yeah, so much more efficient. easily 15 minutes out of this movie. But they didn't, and they invested it in car chases, and, um, you know, Catherine Heigl and, and Ashton Kutcher arguing with each other a lot. <laughs> so... They get into this fight with Rob Riggle. Catherine Heigl comes home to this big fight scene. And it's actually a really funny thing because in the moment you're like, Catherine Heigl must be so confused right now. Exactly. And it felt very real in that respect. Yeah, she's, she's like, like what, what is doing? going on? Stop hurting him. <laughs> yeah. And but like it also gets to this like supportive level where he, uh, like she trusts one of the people in the room and he's like, go up and get a gun. And she brings down a gun. And then accidentally shoots Riggle. No, she doesn't accidentally shoot. She closes her eye and pulls the trigger. Yeah. Okay. So here's the, she can't be that dumb. And, and (sighs) she's pointing at her husband. Yeah. Especially because she has a, here's the weird thing. She has a dad who is a spy who has a bunch of guns around the house. I know these girls. I don't know girls whose dads are spies there's but no there's no possible way he, way he, he didn't, didn't do te- this like be like hey these are your guns around the house i'm going to teach you how to shoot a gun yeah or like, at least understand <laughs> that you don't shoot when your husband is in the line of fire yeah exp- and i uh, and, and i'm not i don't think ashton is blameless in this because he says shoot him in the face when his face is right next to, to the, the guy's face, face. so 
you got a re- like, and he was really betting that she wouldn't shoot him, and that he was just bluffing against Riggle. And so it's that not Riggle like she was up. right next to them. No, she's got a pistol. She's several feet away. If if you're gonna say anything, say shoot him in the leg. So at least it, he doesn't have a she doesn't have a chance of missing and shooting you in the face. Right. Like, and ugh. there's so many bits where this movie's like, wouldn't it be funny if this happened? I'm like. I I know I know you're trying to make it funny, but it makes zero sense. Like you're breaking it. Like you can bend it, but this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so at this point in time, like they they event there's a big chase scene, and he eventually kills Regal. Yeah. Um, and in like, a very hot fuzz way. Right. But the way that they left it. It felt like Riggle was alive still because like I saw spikes go through the driver's side of the car. Right. But basically Ashton doesn't check. There's no blood. And then Ashton like looks down and he's like, he's dead and walks away. And I was like the whole movie. I'm like, oh, I I thought I saw a pool of blood. Oh, maybe I missed it. But the whole movie, I was like, Riggle's going to come back at the last minute. Yeah. I mean, that would have been interesting, but this movie wasn't that thoughtful. So then we have a whole slew of characters. Um, that are intermixed between like them fighting or finding out she's pregnant or all of this stuff. And, you know, I like bits of this where it's like they're in a bathroom together and they acknowledge that it's like, Oh, couples pee in front of each other. Yeah. Like it was good. You know, you know, but then, but then like all of their neighbors are, it turns out everyone has been planted there to be assassins because they find out everyone, but most people, most of them have been planted as sleeper cells. And there's this 20 million bounty on Ashton Kutcher's head for take it from 20 million. There's this bounty for $20 million on Ashton Kutcher's head. And, uh, lost my train of thought. Basically there's this $20 million bounty on Ashton Kutcher's head and he doesn't know why it's, it might have something to do with his old boss or whatever, but then they find his old boss is dead. And then there's this missing, there's this missing chip and it's like, Oh, we got to find out all the information. And it's, it's just a bunch of like running around and not figuring things out for a while. And so all of their neighbors come and try to kill them. Yeah. And so these neighbors had been slowly introduced to us in the first act. We met them at the party or me met them at work. Very similar to hot fuzz again. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, they're just window dressing. They're just silly characters because yeah. they're all these actors that we underestimate. Like we would right. never think Alex Borstein is going to kill you. Honestly, I I saw that she was in this movie and I was like, I think Alex Borstein might make a really good big bad. Yeah. Like where you just wouldn't suspect it. <laughs> right. And then you got Kevin Sussman. Yeah. You got Casey Wilson, who has always annoyed me, but she's here too. Um, and Catherine Winnick is like this assistant for Ashton right. Kutcher. That's right. And so... First, they have to. He fends off against Rob Riggle. Then he has to fend off against Catherine Winnick. Then at some point, he's fending off against Alex Borstein and Kevin Sussman. Uh, there's this other guy who's a delivery driver. Uh, That's right. There's this other woman who, like, I don't know how <laughs> she knows who, but she's like this crazy, like, middle aged cougar flirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they're all kind of competing against each other too. And I, I do think that Ashton. I like all the moments where he's not sure whether somebody is a killer. Right. Because like the delivery guy does a pretty passable job of being like, I'm here to deliver your stuff. Whoa, you're being really jumpy, man. And Ashton, but we see on Ashton's face, he's like, I'm you, are you, are you, are you a killer? Right. Are you a killer? And I, I like that the spy craft of it all with not knowing who's out to kill you is great. Yeah. But 
Oh, and also they meet Usher. And, and Usher shows up. I'm like, is that fucking Usher? I know. I knew. I was like, hey, Usher's <laughs> doing this thing. Give him a bigger part. Right. Like, make him a killer. That would have been good. But uh, no, he's just a manager of like a Walgreens or a Bed Bath yeah. & Beyond or something. And so a lot of the middle is this like antic of them killing all of these people who are trying to kill them in these like very hot fuzz, like dark comedy ways of deaths. Yeah. And I, I kind of respect the movie just kind of going all in. Yeah. Like I was like, if this is what the movie's going to be the whole rest of the film, I'm on board with yeah, this. Cause the movie realizes like, we can't compete with Mr. And Mrs. Smith. We no, can't do that. But the antics are fun. Like the way that Catherine Winnick dies is I don't like that. It's because Catherine Heigl messed up again. Yeah. Like she's like, oops, killed her. Yeah. Oops. All, oops, all assassins. Oops. Um, and, but like, you know, they, they do this thing early in the movie where they telegraph like these antler, antler chandeliers. Right. Right. And it ends up killing her and it's like, okay, this is fun. This is fun killing. There's a lot of parts where Catherine Heigl like helps Ashton Kutcher. Like he's trying to like open a hotel door, but you need like a key card. And Catherine Heigl's like, oh, you need a key card. And the movie's like, ah, what would he do without her? It's like probably turn around and find the same thing she just found by just looking at it in her line of sight. It's not like she like did anything sneaky to find a key card. It was just sitting there in front of her. Right. She did like nothing. I, I know that they're trying to save time on this, but like have her go up to the front desk and ask for a key card to that room. Yeah. Pretending that like she slept there last night and left her shoes and the guy, you know, stole her wallet or, yeah. you know, like have her make up a story. But yeah, but Charisma you cannot give to somebody <laughs> pa- partway through a movie if we don't see it already exists. But that's what's great about Date Night is that like they both bring something to the table and we like seeing how they balance each other out yep. both like in this random scary circumstance but also in their marriage. Yeah. We don't get that with this story and we know that's what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and that brings us to the end of the movie where... I mean, Tom Selleck and Catherine O'Hara show up. There's like a, a scene where there's like somebody gets killed. And then we find out that Tom Selleck put all of these assassins around to, to protect kill her daughter's husband. Well, to just in case he needed it. And so, Ryan, let me paint a scenario for you right here. What we have is Tom Selleck. He knows that his daughter is dating an assassin who seems to be out of the game. Right. Right. So he's like, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm so paranoid that I'm going to plant all of these assassins around just so that they can take him out at some point. Right. Right. And so that means all of these people that they've known for years are on retainer. Right. And who is bankrolling this? He is. Right. That And to, to like take that job as opposed to any other job, they would all have to get paid, I don't know, 80 Ninety, hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, because one can one can assume that like these people are like being paid to live in a specific place by a man and pretend to be specific kind of people. Yeah, that they to are Truman not, Show him. Yeah, they they're basically being played to Truman Show him. And I guess you know on on their work days they can go kill other people. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> but. And then in addition to it, they're like, hey, we're getting a bonus. Because at one point in time, Alex Borstein is like with her husband, who's apparently her husband and also a murderer, <laughs> is is like, 
$20 million. <laughs> and they're really excited about it. And so I don't know how well he's paying them, but it's nuts. Like the whole concept is nuts. And so I'd like to rewrite the movie for one last time. Okay. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. I think Tom Selleck should have been trying to kill him the whole time. I think, like, I think there should have been like three assassins coming after him, uh-huh. maybe even four, and it, throw away all the neighbor stuff. Right. And I think Tom Selleck is the the hardest assassin to get by. Like, he he gets past Riggle, he gets past Winnick, and then Tom Selleck shows up like two thirds of the way through the movie and tries to kill him, and then decides he can't because like his daughter is there and is like that don't don't and then right. like has to defend him against like whoever the other big bad is that's going to come after Ashton Kutcher. But also okay. It's in it's 20 years from now. Sure. From now? Yes, let's okay. say it's 20 years from now. And some assassin has married uh your daughter. And I'm an assassin. And you too are an assassin. Yeah, probably retired. I still don't understand how you think this is totally going to be fine at the end of the day when you accomplish your mission. It's, I mean, I guess he... And also, what are you specifically worried about? He does it He does it when he when his daughter's out of town. Right. But, like, you're still... Like, he, all he saw was some note from his former boss, and Tom Selleck is like, ah, oh, Ashton Kutcher must be... Back in the game. Back in the game, on the wrong side, working with the bad guys. I have all the information I need. I would say he's pretty trigger-happy. <laughs> so let's kill him, because I don't need to confirm any of these details. I saw one note and decided, he is a total bad guy. <laughs> I, it doesn't make just sense. Just think a little bit harder, screeners, because I think the conceit is there, where it's the father-in-law from hell who's trying to murder you. Or, yeah, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be from hell, but it's that one that you'll never get along with. Like, yeah. Because you can't relate for some and reason. And the, the symbolism of that is hilarious, yeah. where it's like, what if he's literally trying to kill you? Exactly. And what if you guys end up being really similar? The only thing was that was between you was this whole edible nonsense. Yeah, right? I think it would have been much better if they did a lot more work to give Tom Selleck a really good reason to think, I have no choice, I have to kill him. Like I said, four minutes in France at the beginning, you have so much more room for this stuff. And that would, and then that would give us some real conflict of like, ah, but he's my daughter's husband, but uh, bigger, more important reason. And, you know, they do telegraph that he's going to kill him because he says, oh, I'll take care of him. We'll take care of him. We'll take care of him. You mean take care of him? Take care of him? (laughs) So anyway, that's, that's the move because they all end on in this, it's so anticlimactic. It's like, yeah, we knew this was coming and everybody ends in this trust circle and then there's a baby and then Ashton Kutcher turns on. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Ashton Kutcher turns on like this laser field to protect his kid at the end of the movie. But like the grandparents are there taking care of him. So right, are they so going to die? Yeah. And if you go like, she's going to stir, she's going to cry. Someone's going to go into that room and like, 10 minutes from now and so sliced in half shot what? again uh, guys armed? just think a little bit more like the movie doesn't want to do any thinking and it wants to be it wants to have this monty python kind of like doesn't care for the logic of the thing 
which I get the motivation and trying to get that manicness to it. But that's what's good about the Sean of the Dead, the Hot Fuzzes. Mm-hmm. They still have an a ironclad internal logic to them. Yeah, and the world makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, that's this week's movie. Um <laughs> I, uh, please send help. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and roll credits. Um, or you can send us to Trope Talk. Yeah. Yeah, do that? Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like the talk, but a lot less awkward. Oh, I like it. dads, you yeah, know, dads. dads. We're doing dad. We're doing the intimidating dad, dad, daddy-o. Yeah, that's the trope this week. <laughs> it's that dad who shows you... His gun collection. Right. That happened to me once. Nice. Yeah. I was 15, 16. She lived down the street. The dad was a firefighter and he definitely took me into his room with like eight guns in it. And he's like, do you like hunting? (laughs) And I was like, that's fine, I guess. And like, I ended up talking to him about baseball or something. (laughs) You know, I thought about baseball the whole time. (laughs) It is an interesting double standard that we have that if you're a dad of a daughter and a guy comes around, it's like, oh, I'm going to whip out my shotgun and show that I will kill him. But if it's the other way around and you've got a son and a girl's coming around, it's like, oh, she must be an angel. She's going to be great. And it's yeah. like, you never assume the other way around could happen that the that person could still hurt your son in right. a real bad way. Which is evidenced by men hurting women far more throughout history. Right. But also don't, don't be an asshole to men just because they want to date your daughters. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Teach your daughter how to say no and responsibility and I'm to, sure, to pick people nicely. I'm sure 14, 15 years from now, we're going to talk to ourselves like, well, and we'll no. have different rules. I'm, we'll see. I'm not going to have a gun room. Um, You're not going to have a gun room, but I'm wondering if you're going to have some kind of like, I just want to talk to him. I just want to say X. Like, I'm wondering if there's something that you're going to want to communicate. You know, if if anybody is dating my child at any point in time, what I'll probably just do is try to, t- like, get to know them first. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a pull somebody off to, and in, to the side and intimidate them kind of person. Right. Well, so I mean, like, I am on, I am in certain circumstances, but not to a young teenage boy is, who wants to date my daughter. This is a prom date. This is a homecoming date. Is there anything that you have? Like, are there any last words to this person? You only, you only get a few phrases to say to them anyways. Like they're all gathering at your house. You, you don't have time. Be to safe. To have fun. Okay. Okay. I'm holding you to it. I, I'm holding you to it. I, this, this, you know me. This is the kind of person I am. Right. Well, I'm wondering if you would flip the script where you would pull someone aside and do something like the inverse, like not oh. show them the shotgun collection, show them like, hey, I just wanted to show you my Tolkien collection. Okay, you bring my daughter home safe. You get to go through all of my Tolkien books. And I just <laughs> open this door and it's glowing and he's like, wow, sir. <laughs> wow. Or her or they, whoever's dating my That's daughter. That's my point exactly. You never know. Um... Do we have any examples of this outside of well, our futures? I was thinking about 10 things I hate about you, and I like that dad. Because, sure. Because he he's feels very real. He's got strange rules because he's a Shakespearean dad, and they right. all have strange rules where he's like, all right, you can't date younger daughter who's way more interested in sex. Mm-hmm. You can't date until your older sister, who doesn't look like she's going to date 
can date. And the movie knows that it's archaic, but he's so fun and arch about it that it's just like, yeah, you're old fashioned, but ah, we still like it. There you. is a logic to it where I'm like, I see your point. Like, <laughs> I see why you're doing it. It's wrong, but I get your point. What, what's his point? His point. Getting to the psyche of this dad. Well, he is truly terrified. What's her? Bianca. Bianca. He is terrified of Bianca. Not, I don't, he's protective of Bianca. He does not need to be protective of Kat. Yeah. Well, I think Bianca is a little bit, well, she's less experienced for one. Yeah. And she's not necessarily airheaded, but she is a little bit more like innocent. Mm -hmm. and But not in a bad way. No, not in a bad way. She's just... She seems like someone who might get taken advantage of. Right. Especially compared to Kat. Right. Who who probably does have like a lighter in her car that she's like rigged to just light a little bit faster and hotter. Just, you know, you know, in case she's like lighting some guy's cigarette in an alley and she's like, no, I need to burn his face instead. Right. So I'm like, I don't agree with your rules per se, but I get it. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. So we've got him. And and the whole the whole psyche of the the domineering dad is that either he's a warden yeah. in this genre where he's like keeping somebody from experiencing life, or he's a gatekeeper where he's like he basically acts as the metal underwear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. The chastity belt. The chastity belt. Yeah. Um, well, we get that. Um, they do a and this really one has a mustache. <laughs> they do a really good job with this and say anything. Because that's an actually very thorough. Oh, character. I mean, that is a character that yeah. is really well written and probably the best way to do that type of a super protective father figure. Right. Where, and, and that's Brian Cranston. No, no. Um, who is it? Martin Crane. Oh, it is Marty Crane. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Um, he he is this he is this guy who's filled with worry and he he doesn't think that some, a certain person is good enough for his daughter. And not only that, but he wants his daughter to go become something more than being tied down in this town. Right. Right. Like he, and I think the thing about this movie is that I get Tom Selleck being protective of his daughter just because of who he is as a character, but it's uninteresting because it's like, dude, she's, old (laughs) like she's old enough to choose stuff on her own and not only that but like you're just he what he just seemed was like this guy who was super rich taking care of his really not spoiled daughter but like just like it, it feels like the way they raised her they should have pushed her out of the nest more right and well it also just doesn't make sense of like If you were truly concerned about the assassin type thing that Ashton Kutcher's got going for himself, Mm -hmm. maybe now's the time to out yourself to your daughter and explain the whole circumstance so she can understand what she's getting herself into. Or at least to Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Like, be like, hey, I know who you are. Let me show you. And then we get like this scene of him like opening a secret door in their house. And he's like, but you have to keep this secret as well, which means it's. It's a double hurt for Catherine Heigl that her dad lied to her but could talk to Ashton Kutcher. They should have just done that anyways. Yeah. And like actually set up. Rewrite number four. (laughs) And just set it up so that. Set it up. (laughs) He 
Tom Selleck knows that Ashton Kutcher knows. And it's like, we've had a conversation and yeah. have something happen where he legitimately think Ashton Kutcher is betraying right. them. Oh, what? I mean, the the thing that he had to do was say, you're out and you're out for good, right? Right. Like, right. And, and he's like, promise me, because if you're ever not, I'm going to take you out. And so when Ashton gets contacted by this guy, there needs to be some sort of thing that's more than a postcard <laughs> yeah. that outs like... In a in in a false way that outs to Tom Selleck that Ashton Kutcher is back in the game, yeah. And he like maybe it's a bunch of receipts, it's a bunch of something. And then he finds guns all over the house or something, and it it ends up being this big miscommunication. But unfortunately, these people who are miscommunicating are also assassins. Yeah, and this movie is trying to do what Mr. Mrs. Smith do does that it's the metaphor of it all because. This postcard has hugs and kisses from someone staying at a hotel. And right. the father-in-law is like, what is this? And like, does the father-in-law thing. And it would make sense that that character would rain down fury in hell on the metaphor of it all. Yeah, because at that point in the movie, like the the thing, if this didn't turn into a shoot 'em up movie, mm-hmm. the whole deal could have been that Tom Selleck, like tries to ruin their relationship yeah. based on the fact that he thinks Ashton Kutcher is cheating on Catherine Heigl. Right. And Ashton like wants to tell her, he's like, no, I swear it was, it was my boss. And yeah. she's like, well, why haven't you told me about this then? And he's like, well, uh, you know, I, I, I can't because of this. And it just seems like he's lying. Yeah. But, so I, I don't, I think this movie just wasn't the people making it didn't have the competency competency level to do it. They're, they put a lot of effort in. There are some things that they really did a good job on. And I think, you know, from a producer point of view, it's like, oh, it makes sense because it looks great because you got the Titanic cinematographer doing it. So the stuff in France actually looks beautiful and everyone looks beautiful. And there's some camera work that actually is pulled off really well. And the action scenes are actually pulled off pretty well for this type of movie. Mm-hmm. But it's all the other important stuff that it falls flat on its face very yeah. consistently. Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't usually fall flat on its face. What? Our Patreon. Ah! <laughs> Are you, were you like one of those small goats? Yeah. Ah! What do we have up on the Patreon? We have our new bonus episode, Turning Red from Pixar Studios. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Go lot, check it out. Lots to talk about. And yeah, we lot. could probably do even a further episode on it because there's so much to unpack. We're not going to do that, but no, that's, that's but how much there's going on with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, really go check it out if you got Disney+. Plus, and who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, go check out Turning Red. It was fun. Uh, and then you can come check out our bonus episode that is on that movie. Yep. We also have uh, essays every week. We have a poll for this coming month for the listener poll of what movie we want to do. And uh, I think we are tied again. Damn. Yeah, between check. Philadelphia Story and The Thin Man. Uh, indeed, Rooney. Philadelphia Story and The Thin Man. We also have in contention My Man Godfrey and The Awful Truth, but they are not They're not in the logjam of this tie. So if you want one of them to win or both of them to win, you'll have to vote strategically. And you know what? I, 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 at this point in time, I don't care which one wins because... I was missing banter in this movie. Boy, is there banter in those. Oh, there's banter. Especially if you're talking, if banter is like fencing, but with words, 
at times. That's That's Philadelphia story. That's what it is. Yeah. I think that's what they were going for in that Gilmore Girls episode when Paris was fighting Rory with swords. Because that's what, you know, doing the... It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Anyways, next month we're doing Gilmore Girls season four. It's going to be lovely for our bonus episode. So check it out. Patreon.com slash romcom gents. And I think that brings us right over to the award. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great pleasure to take my Golden Sword Award out and give it away one more time. One last time. <laughs> and then we'll do it again next week, one last time. And well, then the it's the last time for this particular sword. The last time for this episode. Right? Is this? Yeah, I, I, I mean, think we, we should only give... Well, we, we have to do two. Yeah, we. I, I have a Golden Wait Sword, a you have a Golden Sword. Right, right, right. Who makes yours? Um, mine is from like this discounted elvish lord he kind of lives in like kind of the northeast so it's kind of like the, skirting with mordor but you know is it, is it like close. the middle earth equivalent of the dollar store <laughs> yeah but you know stagflation so the prices are up so i had to pay like a little bit more than i stagflation usually. yeah oh i like that stagflation well it's not my term it's the good old economist from harvard has been giving us that oh so. oh i'm sorry what is that actually i don't like that i was i was saying that because of um, oh, it's a pun. No, it's a pun. I tried to make it a pun because of like a stag and inflation. Well, yeah. So, well, uh, yeah, it was, Game that. Of Thrones, that was that. Game of Thrones, the money yeah, is Yeah, it was the Baratheon thing. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going for. But I don't actually know what stagflation is. Oh, it's it's when prices go up and wages keep staying where they are. So bad. But, oh, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, I had to go to this like discounted Elrond guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. It, it's fine. Nice. I've got um, a demon owes me a favor, and so nice. he's just been whipping him up in my backyard. Whoa. Yeah. That's that's kind of hot. It is. Well, because, I mean, he has to come through the portal from hell every time. But you know what it is? It's saving us money on our heating bill. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're avoid- you are you are finding fixes to stagflation. Mm-hmm. I like it. Anyways, yeah. let's give Always away our- Always got to find a fix to stagflation. Let's give away our Golden Sword Award. She- a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. By all means. Um, I'm giving mine to the movies. There's a, I'm trying to figure out the quality of it all. It's not commitment because there are other times when they're not committing at all, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there are other times where it's just like, oh, you guys are just going for it. Okay. So maybe Verve. I'm going to give it the, the, the movie's Verve. You're giving giving the sword to the Verve. The Verve of the movie. Okay. It has Verve. It does have Verve. That doesn't make it a good movie at all. You know what it reminds me of? That friend that you don't necessarily like hanging out with in the everyday, but when they're drunk, they're a good time. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Cause yeah. like this movie is, this movie is not good. No, this movie is bad, but at least it's bad on its own terms. Yeah. It's a strong choice of bad. Most of the time. It's like you have a baseball player out there. It's like, well, you he went swung. down swinging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really missed. Like that was like, the pitch was like way off you still swung really hard. And we've seen worse movies by far on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those movies are just stale because they're not even trying that hard. No. You movie, you're trying hard. 
you're not hitting anything, but I'm just glad that you're at least trying. <laughs> I've got to give it to the, like, I thought I would hate Riggle. Uh-huh. But I'm giving it to Riggle, not only because he has a knife that is kind of like a sword in this movie, but just his his ability to take it to 100 and then mm-hmm. back down and have me believe for just a second that he is not a killer. Yeah. That moment right there. Right. I'm That's giving a good it to moment. Riggle. So like Riggle's, Riggle's golden sword. Riggle's moment. With the knife. That, that also sounds like the discount sword <laughs> name. Riggle's golden swords. Especially if it's him making it. And it's Z at the end of swords. Yeah. So um, what, bef- we're, while we're in between categories, I do want to ask, what would you rate this movie? Bad. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I'd give this like a... I guess I'd give this a two Mm -hmm. or so because, and even that seems low because there were, like I said, so many moments that felt glowing in this film. Like at one point in time, Ashton Kutcher like calls Tom Selleck something and Tom Selleck delivers this line where he's like, you can call me, sir. (laughs) But like he does it in a unique way that we haven't heard before. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I... the producers must have done a good job just getting all of these cast members together. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, like it has so many talented people in it that it almost is faking me out that it's not bad. Right. Right. Exactly. I gave it a two and a half. And what, yeah. what was the last one I gave it two and a half to? I've been giving a lot of two and a half. You have. Day. Actually, you gave a two and a half to, um, I was thinking oh, about to this. Oh, I want day. you back. Yeah. I gave right. it two and a half to that and you're like outrageous and it's like i this, don't know you, to, i want you back is much better than this yes but there's something i respect <laughs> more about this movie because i feel like i want you back feels just kind of like i think it's because you like action movies maybe yeah um but you know i watched a legit action movie being free guy and that was a bad action movie and this rom-com had better action so right but was it a better movie um also a better uh, they're both bad. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, that's... But I Want You Back is a better movie. Like, it, it, it's more, it makes more sense. It's funnier. The characters are real characters. Like, it's more unique. <laughs> well, I guess maybe not more unique. Do you remember that feeling when you're at a Blockbuster and the, the store is closing in five minutes? Oh, and you had to pick. Yeah. If I was in a Blockbuster... And you only had money for one. I only had money for one. And for whatever reason, the only movies in this Blockbuster are I Want You Back and Killers... I'm actually going to have a really hard time figuring out which one to get. Okay. I, I hear you. And I think I know like, but I, that's why I can feel comfortable giving them both two and a half. This I, I, in that same situation, I feel the same way you do. If I'm going to buy one of these movies, I'm going to buy, I want you back mm-hmm. because I want to watch that movie again. Right. But if I'm at blockbuster late at night, right before they close, I'm in the mood to probably just have a little bit of fun. Yeah. So I could rent this. I honestly kind of want to watch this movie again with Sarah with a bottle of wine and just kind of have fun at the movie. And you hate doing that. But I wouldn't do it in a way of like, look at like the amateurism of it because it's not amateur No, no, no. That's not what you do. You have fun at how ridiculous some of the dumb parts are. Yeah, but Sarah likes to hate watch movies that are just trash she's and I don't, <laughs> she's vicious though i don't even like watching those ones with sarah <laughs> but i don't think this movie's trash i just think it no, whiffed 
No, yeah, me, me too. I, I I do think that like it it wasn't used to playing wiffle ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, ask me the most important question of all. <laughs> I know you don't want to, but can I get you to? It's time to give this film a rom com Oscar. My voice is back. It's back. I love it. Um, can't give it best action. Can't give it best verve because you kind of already because <laughs> I already gave that. the verve award. Um. Mm, oh, oh. What does it succeed in? The cinematography. You're gonna give this for the year. You can only give one. You're gonna give this movie best cinematography. We just started. There's a lot of <laughs> movies to come. What you could give it maybe is best surprising cinematography. Mm. Most surprising cinematography. Mm, I mean, the thing is, it's. I don't want to get too technical in it, but I really just like how it was finished chemically that the colors just had the palette. Can I give it best palette? Of course you can. Best palette. You're awesome. I really like the color palette. I like the skin tone. Uh-huh. I liked all the other things going on. It was very, like, I liked the kind of poppiness of it and that's what you know robert luketic is the director coming in he does give the vi- the movie visual flair he gives it visual pop uh-huh. and legally blonde felt more like consistent in its iconography yeah. of like the pink the blonde that stuff and this felt more like blandly sexy people it's it, it doesn't have the same kind of identity but none of the right. palette the colors in the film still are very gorgeous. There's there was something about this movie that it didn't have enough establishing shots, and mm-hmm. usually, usually I don't care about that. But there's something about like set up. If you're gonna set up suburbia, set it up in a way that makes me feel something about suburbia. Yeah. If you're gonna show me, you know, Tom Selleck's house, make me feel how rich he is. Yeah. Um, but you're right. This movie was suburban in that way. Right. But the palette was good. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I, I think I need you to help me find the the name of this Oscar. Okay. The, the feeling I'm going for, it, it's just something rare to see in a rom-com where you don't know who the bad guys are. Granted, this movie wasn't suspenseful. No. Um, but there was intrigue. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to call this movie most intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm... I was surprised with how many moments of what is that thing where if you, if you, what is the, Ryan, what is the feeling where you don't know if somebody's going to kill you? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to call it best surprises. No. Best spontaneity. No. You know what? I, you know, what I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to give it best turn. Ah, yeah. Because really this movie does, I, I think you could have gone, you, you have your weird 25 minute set up in, in France. And then after that, you can make 20 different movies. You could, you really could. There are so many different plots and this one shows a plot that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. I didn't like how it was executed a lot of the times, but I like the choice of the craziness of the plot. Yeah. Right. And so I think I'm going to say best turn. Yeah. 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 I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also give it um, a better way of asking the question of who would you mm. fall in love with? 
<laughs> sure, 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 sure. No, no. It's I, a turn of phrase. Who would I fall in love? A turn of phrase. <laughs> now there it is. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love and love and love you. I know. Um I am so surprised that Catherine o- you know, I, I was surprised that Catherine O'Hara wasn't also a spy with how much she was drinking. I thought that was going to be the only thing right. that explained away that she was like, oh, I'm basically immune to it. I've had to drink, you know. Totally. I, I don't know. That's not how science works. But, yeah. Uh, fuck. Tom Selleck. <laughs> he's insane for doing his thing, but he's so charismatic and that mustache Ashton Kutcher. I, I'm going to fall in love with Ashton Kutcher, but I'm going to pick Tom Selleck. Yeah. Because well, I love Tom Selleck. Okay. Yeah. I like You know that. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going with, uh, by process of elimination, because um, Ashton Kutcher just gives me kind of a weird vibe. A weird vibe? It's just the, like, he has this voice that's like, oh, like, uh, I'm an assassin guy. Like, I'm just like, uh, it doesn't feel... I mean, that's fair. You gotta like your partner's uh, voice. Just, I uh, don't like it. And all the other characters here are literally very annoying. Like, yeah. Casey Wilson's character is supposed to be annoying. Yeah. Um, And Rob Riggle is supposed to be annoying. And Martin Mole is Gene Parmesan. And <laughs> totally is. I mean, I guess Usher's in contention. Sure. So. <laughs> because he is... All, all, Usher, all we know about Usher is that he... Will help you find pregnancy tests. Yeah, that's nice. And he's good at scanning. <laughs> um, but I'll go with Catherine Heigl because as I I do believe that there is a character in there somewhere. <laughs> and I feel like this movie did a bad job of introducing us to her. And I know like her persona still shines through. So it's like just holding out hope that there's something more there. <laughs> oh, man, I really I couldn't find it, but I'm glad somebody did. Because Tom Selleck is a killer. And yep. Catherine O'Hara is unconscious. And so I I don't have much to go off of. Um, I think Latoya Luckett Walker, who plays her other friend, I don't think she's a killer. <laughs> yep, that's her. Okay. But this movie's called Killers. Yes, again, it's a terrible title. Also, Catherine Heigl did kill somebody. Oh, that's true. They're all killers. Well, what can you do? I thought this movie at one point was going to take a turn where like they had to go become killers together. Right. And I was like, don't do that. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, Ryan, that brings us as always to the, no, it's not the end. Don't worry. It's not the end. I think it's the end. No, we have to tell them what we're watching next week. Yeah. Well, next week we're doing the lost city, brand new rom-com with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum and Harry Potter. At one point in time, it was, 100% 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, but it's still very up there. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. like in the ni- it's like in the 90s. It's like it's like a good day of weather. All right. Well, I cannot wait to get uh, to climb our way out of the cesspool that we've <laughs> yeah, it's not a cesspool. It's just kind of a sh- kind of a shitty pool. Well, ha- how about this? It's a cesspool, but only one of my feet landed in it. And it's like a bad <laughs> puddle of cess. This a is cess like puddle. this is like a pool that you're swimming in and there's like 
pond stuff in there there's like leaves and it's like i guess i could swim in this <laughs> there's but it's... one there's one poopy in it and you're like oh i gotta get away from that <laughs> but i probably should get out um but yes next week lost city i'm excited you're excited we're, we're all excited, excited. <laughs> i love you so much <laughs> all right i love you too let's go home <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>